Hello and welcome to the April 27th Empower Hour. We're so glad you can join us today. In just a few moments, Tanya Gaw will be coming on to share updates and information with us. And we're so pleased that Pastor Arthur Pawlowski will be joining us tonight as well. For those of you who are just coming into the show, I want to invite you to join us on Zoom as we pray together every morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. We've already joined together in fasting and prayer yesterday and today, and we'll be continuing to meet for at least the next five days. Each day, one of the pastors will give a testimony and word of exhortation, and then we'll spend time together praying. Tomorrow will be extra special as we'll be celebrating communion together, so please join us tomorrow at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Today's Bible verse is a very familiar one, and it's a call to action. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 2 Chronicles 7:14. Action for Canada is a grassroots movement reaching out to millions of Canadians and uniting our voices in opposition to the destructive policies tearing at the fabric of our nation. Through call to action campaigns, we equip citizens to take action. We are committed to protecting faith, family and freedom. I'm always so honored to introduce you to Tanya Gaw, the founder of Action for Canada. Every week I get to say a few nice things about her, but there's always so much more that I don't get to say because it would take up so much time. Tanya is an incredible freedom fighter who is up against big bully governments, and she's dedicated to educating and empowering Canadians to stand up for our rights and freedoms. Now, before I introduce her, I want to ask you to please keep Tanya and Action for Canada foremost in your prayers each day. The enemy of our souls is not happy about the work she's doing. Would you all please help me give Tanya a great big welcome? Hi, Tanya. Hi, Heather. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for that uh, amazing introduction. I'm, I'm humbled to, to be, you know, in the position that we are. I feel like I'm a, a servant here in this nation, as is um, everybody that's on our team, our chapter leaders who are representing people in their own communities in 150, over 150 communities across Canada. You have a servant's heart. And I, I really take pride in that with Action for Canada because we're, we are truly, I hate how the left says we're in this together. We're truly in this together. And we're working hard to protect Canadians and do all that we can to get our way out of this. And I'm feeling hopeful. Um, I hope you, if you don't know that we do a Tuesday meetings, we might start calling it Tuesdays with Tanya or Taboo Tuesdays. There's issues that we're dealing with that, you know, the government has convinced us for many years we should not be talking about. The political correctness has silenced people. It was the objective to use political correctness to do that. And uh, so yesterday we were talking about the trans lobby LGBTQ uh, political agenda just to infiltrate society. And I was able to come up with, uh, especially in the United States, because they were initially a little ahead of us on this and feeling uh, the hit and the damage to our children and in the school systems. And because of it, there's all kinds of announcements now from governors you know, across the United States who are starting to overturn uh, biological men from being able to compete with women in sports, 
the abortion issue is coming to the forefront and uh, late term abortion and uh, partial abortion on birth is uh, finally people are waking up and saying, you know, this is just so wrong. So have hope. Have hope because, you know, we're having an impact and uh, we're fighting real hard in Canada. One of our main objectives, of course, in order in order to overturn all of this is by getting these horrible people out of office. And so join a chapter, get involved. Please consider running for a position as school board trustee or as a mayor, city councillor, MPP, MLA or an MP. We need you and our communities as we grow our chapters up want to get behind you and help you to win. And if you're a person that's not feeling like, yeah, you know, I, I want to be a, a school board trustee or a city councillor, then join the chapter so that you can help somebody else succeed. Let's get some wins. Let's get these people out of office who are going along with these socialist agendas and uh, destroying our nation and destroying the hearts and minds of our children. All right, uh, Terenzio, I think I'll just go straight to share my screen. Ready when you are. Okay, super. We're going to have a quick uh, weekly update, and then we're going to get to our special guest. I can't wait to have Pastor Arthur on tonight. We're good. All right. I, okay, super. All right. Uh, this is, I just wanted to, again, bring awareness to the youth uh, freedom movement and our leadership page. This program that uh, Dr. Greg Gary has been putting on Friday nights, man, it's precious. So special. We have uh, quite a number of kids near 80 to 100 uh, that are showing up every week. And the transformation already in four weeks is so exciting. We've got 12-year-olds who are coming on and giving 30-minute speeches from their heart as to what the past two years have done for them, um, how they feel about masks, how they feel about, uh, you know, forced vaccination and actually the tyranny of government. It is amazing how mature our 15, 16 and 17 year olds are who are in this meeting. There are there is a reflection as well that we're seeing of the impact of the social agenda in the school systems. Some of the kids uh, that are on are convinced that uh, the global climate change is actually a thing, that this is true and real, and we got to do something about it. And so we're able to have conversation with them. We're able to spark their critical thinking. And Dr. Greg is just doing such an amazing way of navigating through that to help them to consider maybe there's another side to the story. Uh, to consider digging a little deeper and learning how to look for those facts. Dr. Greg is covering the Constitution and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and it's just been, like I said, a very precious time of, um, of, of spending our time on a, on a Friday night. So even, even if uh, your kids are late in signing up, the registration is there. I'd still recommend it. we got four weeks left, and I, I believe they'll benefit from it. And we do intend to uh, continuing to do the leadership programs, and we're reaching out to churches requesting that they actually open up their spaces. Uh, the intent is as well for our chapter leaders to find spaces. And then on a Friday night, we want to have these kids meeting in person in their own communities so that they can actually start to get to know um, other kids maybe in their school that they didn't know uh, were also awake and aware as to what was going on. Maybe they then could unite and be a force in their school to bring about some change. So that's uh, something we're going to continue to work on. 
All right, as you can see, if you go for those of you who are new, and I see there's quite a number of you on our in our menu on the call to um, under call to action, you will see weekly emails. And this is the work. You can just go on for a couple of years worth of work where we have the empower hours, but we also have a call to action that goes out every week. And we are bringing awareness and trying to help individuals with their finances, um, how to equip them in dealing with law enforcement. Uh, we've had uh, Honorable Brian Peckford on, uh, Mr. Leighton Gray, who's a lawyer, just trying to facilitate you in every way we can. In the last four or five weeks, I have had a lot of focus on what is the relevance of Christianity in Canada? What does this really mean to you as a citizen in Canada? We have been brainwashed into thinking uh, for decades that we're a secular society, but it's an outright lie. We are actually a nation built on Christian principles, and that foundation sets us apart from any other nation built on another system of uh, belief, and therefore their political system revolves around that. And wonderful people are living in those countries that are living in oppression. And so there's been these taboo top topics we're talking about, which happen to be the New Age and how they are tied to the One World Order. Uh, Alan Strudwick came on, who was in it for 20 years. I know that I've repeated this a couple of times in the last few weeks, but it is that critically important that we understand and embrace our sovereignty, our roots as a Christian nation, and how that impacts your freedom. And Pastor Artur will be coming on and sharing with us. Uh, he has come from a, a nation, a country, that he already went through totalitarianism. He knows what's coming in Canada. He's been warding us for years, and um, I can't wait to get to his testimony tonight. So please come to the call to action. Read through the material that we are providing. It's very relevant. And I know that we've been conditioned to think a certain way, but if you can say, what if, what if what Action for Canada is presenting here, what if what Pastor Artur is warning us about is relevant, if that there's something more to it? For two years, we were trying to warn people that COVID was a fraud, that there was something greater behind it. And it took some of you a while to realize it, to say, I am now seeing it. I genuinely have been impacted it by myself or somebody, a loved one has lost a job, lost their life due to not getting treatment, due to being convinced that they had to take this experimental, uh, I'm not going to call it a, a vaccine, it's an experimental injection. There is something that has impacted you in the last two years that's brought you onto this Empower Hour, that's caused you to see that something greater was going on. Well, what if it's even greater than that? What if it's not just, uh, you know, about these individuals that want to selfishly rule the world? What if it's something of a spiritual battle, of something that is of such depth that you haven't even considered it before? So this is what we want to present tonight and in the last weeks. We want to open up the possibility in your mind that there is something much more sinister and deep going on. And we're just going to ask you to continue to follow us on this journey. Pastor Artur is on tonight. Next week, we are going to have uh, Pastor Billy Crone on from the United States. And this is a man as well that had been deceived by the New Age 
He came out of that as a man of faith, and he has not only been teaching about all of the different world religions that are even progressing towards a one world religion, but he talks about things like the uh, mass mesmerization of the media, how they're deceiving you, artificial intelligence. Uh, it is so broad what this man has um, enlightened people on. In, in these past years. And so we look forward to that as well. But I just ask you, please go through this information, consider the what if and uh, educate yourselves. We're trying to give you a crash, crash course every time we send out a weekly email. In Pastor Archer's position, uh, when we had uh, launched this this last week, it was amazing to see that while he has gone and had to endure just horrendous things at the hands of the police and the government, the provincial government in Alberta, the Islamists were out en masse by the thousands, not only in Calgary, Alberta, but across Canada. So by the thousands, because they oppose what is going on in the Middle East, in Palestine, with their uh, duel and their uh, fight against Israel. Are you aware that Israel is one of our greatest allies and so they're bringing their shameful war to our soil, the Palestinians are, yet the government didn't stop them. Across Canada, they came out by the thousands and they were en masse. There was no fines, no tickets, no arrests. The mosques were open, you can see videos here. None of the imams have been arrested. Again, no fines, no tickets. Why is it that there's such a double standard? And one of the things that Pastor Archer has consistently said is one law for me, another for thee. And that doesn't just apply to government officials who are abusing you know, the laws and mandates that they're putting out, but applies to the immigrants. It applies to others, anybody that is uh, colluding and aligning with the left. They are out after the Christian population, they are out to destroy the church because they know that that's what our very basis of our democracy and our freedoms is built on. All right, as uh, we had mentioned, there's a seven days of prayer. If you wanna be part of this, please go to the page. You can join right here. I'm gonna stop sharing now. I wanna bring in Pastor Archer. I wanna get into this evening. There we go. Thank you, uh, Terenzio. And Heather, will you please come back on and introduce Pastor Archer, although he doesn't need introduction. <laughs> it's over to you. Thank you, Tanya. I know that many, if not most of you, are already very familiar with our next guest, Pastor Archer Pawlowski, and I am so pleased to be able to welcome this brother in Christ to the show. Right from the start of the unlawful lockdowns and mandates in Canada, Pastor Archer has spoken out fervently and passionately and has sounded the alarm over government malfeasance, overreach, and tyranny. Pastor Archer came to Canada from a communist totalitarian country, and long before most of us were even aware of the danger, he was right on top of things and letting us know that our freedoms were at stake. Tonight, Pastor Archer will be sharing his testimony of his most recent imprisonment, and I'm sure he'll be giving words of encouragement as well. Please help me welcome Pastor Arthur Pawlowski. Welcome, Arthur. Hi, Pastor Arthur. Thank you. Thank you for having me in. It's always a great pleasure to be able to 
to speak uh, on your program and um, to share, to share, to warn, to encourage people to stand up and, and fight for their rights. Well, we're really happy to have you back on the show. It's been a little while. Um, I know that uh, we met with you, Reverend Majed El Shefi from One Free World International. The three of us had a had a private meeting discussing uh, what your journey has been like, uh, having been arrested and imprisoned, and the abuses that you had to endure during your time. And as we've been announcing uh, to our guests, uh, we are going to align with Reverend Majed, and we are going to take further legal actions, not only on behalf of yourself, but all pastors in Canada. You've been in a special situation where, thankfully, you've had great support from uh, Rebel News being able to uh, bring to the public awareness what you've been enduring in the last year. And so we're excited to be able to expand this and uh, we're aligning with others in order to take this um, next step of legal action extremely seriously because uh, not only does it involve Canadians, but it is also involving our neighbors in America because Canada is becoming known as a threat to America because of what this draconian government is doing. And so without further ado, I wanna hand this over to you. I'd love for you to let the audience know a little bit of where it was that you came from before coming to Canada, what you endured and how you're seeing uh, uh, symbolisms of that happening within Canada and what you think we as Canadians need to do. So over to you. Thank you so much. So as you can tell uh, very quickly, like I am um, quite often right now, I tell the people, you don't have to believe me, but do believe my accent. I grew up behind the Iron Curtain under the boots of the Soviets. I've seen the propaganda machinery at its best. I've seen what the Nazis have done to our uh, beloved country. And not only I have heard from my grandparents uh, and from the older generation, I could see the, uh, the after effect, the atrocities that the Germans did to the Polish people when they decided that Poles are not important, that they are second-class citizens, only a workforce. And that's exactly what we are observing right now. That's exactly what we're seeing right now. We have become the second-class citizens. I grew up in a city with, uh, with a concentration camp uh, right in our city. When the Germans occupied Poland, that's where they built a concentration camp. And as kids, we were playing in the bunkers of the SS. Uh, that was holding people captive and murdering them. And of course, I have been many times in Auschwitz-Birkenau and I, um, I like to take Canadians and Americans to go there and have a look with their own eyes what the man is capable of if you don't put a check on that man's power. What we have been observing in the past few years is, is a politicians that truly think that they are the pharaohs and we are the slaves. They own us and they can do whatever they want to do to us without consequences, zero consequences. And that's fascism, that's Nazism, that's communism. And, you know, sometimes people are telling me that I, my use of language is a little bit, uh, you know, overboard. It's, it's not kind. It's not nice. But what I'm trying simply to do is to show the public with the use of words what 
is happening to us right now. When I call them the Gestapo of today, what that means is Gestapo was the Nazi police. It was the secret police that was coming, you know, usually five in the morning, breaking the door and arresting people without trial, torturing them without trial and doing whatever they wanted to do to that individual. Why? Because they could. They had the guns and they had the power of the politicians. The law didn't apply to them. The law was out the window. The constitution of the country out the window. Human rights out the window. It was what they were saying. They have truly become gangsters um, working for the biggest mafia, the Nazi mafia or the communist mafia that uh, I've seen growing up. Now we have the Trudeau, Kenny um, uh, mafia. And those people, they truly believe that lie that they can get away with whatever they're doing. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about. And, and here, is, here is a very interesting part of the story. We've seen this before. This is not a new concept. This has been repeated over and over again in history. And what I, um, what I have been simply saying for the past few years is that if it if it's working for the villains, the remedy, if you will, whatever worked before, it will work again against those villains. So let's go back a little bit in history. Mahatma Gandhi was a very interesting individual, and he decided to oppose the biggest empire at that time, and he uh, decided to do it peacefully, non-compliance. He says, I'm not going to cooperate. Simple. In other words, I will not work and cooperate with the tyrants. Martin Luther King Jr., the pastor in the United States of America, he did the same thing with his civil rights movement. He said, this is not right. You're breaking the law. We have one constitution. We have been created equally under God, and I'm not going to participate in this atrocity. And he formed with other people civil rights movement. And he just said, non-compliance, peaceful, uh, resistance towards totalitarian regime. When you look at my childhood, the solidarity movement in 1980, it's a very interesting thing because um, at, at the beginning, it was very small, and then it grew to 1 million members. When the government saw that the movement was getting too powerful, the government outlawed solidarity movement. And I find this fascinating because the truck convoy was outlawed. Uh, the truck convoy and the protests in number of places were uh, deemed illegal and you know unlawful. And if you participated in those protests, you were labeled a fascist or you were labeled a, a lawbreaker, you were labeled a xenophobe, you were labeled a, a white supremacist or homosexual, you know, hom homophobe or whatever the names. They always have names against the law-abiding citizens that are simply standing up for their rights. In 1981 and 1982, the solidarity movement that was outlawed by the Communism, Communist Party grew to 3 million members. You see, this is the fascinating part of the whole story that the totalitarian regimes will try to stop it, but it's up to us what we're going to do with the opportunity that God has given us. Uh, within a few years, the movement of solidarity, uh, you know, had 8 million, 9 million members. And in 1989, the solidarity movement took over 
the Communist Party in Poland. And as you are, in, as you remember from history, the Iron Curtain got broken, the Berlin Wall has fallen, and Poland at the time had its first democratic election since since uh, World War II, so since 1945. And um, if it worked for them, it can work for us as well, because the villains in the Bible is uh, very interesting because the Bible says that known are to us the devices of the enemy. In other words, we know how the enemy is operating. We know what they're cooking. We know how uh, they are approaching to this, you know, never-ending idea of enslavement, uh, you know, enslaving uh, human beings. And uh, quite often, uh, lately, I have been reminding Christians, especially, that Jesus Christ was the biggest freedom fighter of them all. If you look what Jesus did, he sets the captives free. The Bible says who comes to him, who comes to the son is free indeed. He came and he died and he rose from the grave for the people to be free. So God wants to give you freedom. Satan wants to enslave you. And that's how you know who is who in the zoo, the goats, the sheep, and the wolves. People that want to enslave you, people that want to control you, people that are scaring, terrifying, using terror uh, to force you into compliance, those are the people from the enemy. They're following their father, the devil. Their father is telling them that you have to help me out to make the population uh, of, of slaves. I want my slaves. God is looking at every human being that, uh, that has been born and says, my desire is to set you free. So when you see the government enslaving people, you know that that government is working for the enemy, for the wicked, for the evil one. And you have to, if you love your country, if you love your fellow men, your children, uh, your family members, your neighbors, if you truly love them, you have to oppose that totalitarian regime that is enslaving other people. And that's what Solidarity Movement did. People simply took it to the streets. They paralyzed their system, but not with violence, not with guns and swords. They just simply refused to work for the tyrants. They said, we're not your slaves. You're not our pharaohs. We simply will not work for you. And that, and that collapsed the entire totalitarian regime. So what happened to me uh, for the past years, I have been opposing laws that are illegal. They're illegally implemented. Sometimes they call them bylaws and they are enforcing them against not just the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, the constitution of our country, criminal code of Canada, but also against the human rights. For example, on the streets of our cities, and I don't know if you are aware of that there are laws, actual laws, that prohibits you from feeding the poor. For example, if you see a dying child on the streets of your city and you give the child a sandwich, you have committed an offense and you can be arrested and thrown in prison. Uh, how do I know that? Because I have been charged over 300 times, over 300 tickets, and I have been arrested 11 times for that crime of illegally preaching the gospel and feeding the poor, giving free goods and services. It's against the law, uh, according to the municipalities, giving free goods. So if you give a sandwich, you committed an offense and services as a pastor, when I counsel people, when I 
when I will talk to them, uh, when I will pray with them, I just committed an offense. Also, there are laws implemented in our countries that giving printed material uh, is also prohibited. So if I give a Bible or gospel track um, away, I can be arrested and ticketed for that as well. So what I'm trying to say that this evil, it didn't just showed up during the COVID era. Those types of people have been working on this for decades. They have been indoctrinating our children. They have been destroying our court systems. They have corrupting it. They kicked out God. They kicked out prayer. <clears throat> they kicked out 10 commandments, the Bible. They kicked out God. And the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. When you kick God of freedom, out of your society, out of your household, out of your job, out of your country, what you're going to have is the master, the pharaoh, that is going to try to enslave you and work you to death even more. So they were working on this for a long time, the banking system, uh, passing all kinds of laws, uh, which of course are against the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, the Human Rights and the Criminal Code of Canada. When the when they started to put implement the mandates, the restrictions, and they invaded illegally our places of worship, they have broken the Criminal Code of Canada, Section 100, 176, 1, 2, and 3. It's illegal for anyone to interfere with a clergyman while he is on his way, while he's performing, or he's coming from performing his duty uh, as, a, as a person that officiated a meeting for the purpose of worship. They uh, had no right to enter our church buildings. The court orders that were issued were done illegally. Those people were using their authority as judges to break the law, the Criminal Code of Canada. And that's the frustrating part of what we're seeing right now. It's lawlessness. They're telling you obey the law. At the same time, they are the true lawbreakers. And that reminds me of the movie that I watched some time ago, The Gangs of New York. Um, I don't know if you watched it or not, but there is one a statement over there that was done by one of the politicians that was advising a gangster, a mafia a type of an individual, telling him when you you have to keep um, appearance of the law, especially while you're breaking the law. In other words, you have to let the people know that you are keeping the law, you are all for the law, uh, and then in one hand, you're doing that in another, you are breaking the law. And that's exactly what those politicians, those wannabe gangsters uh, have been doing in the past two years. They are lawbreakers. They have uh, created chaos. They are the destroyers of our economy and they're bloody murderers. They have blood on their hands for what they have done with the mandatory jobs, with shutting down businesses and and places of warships and, and you know restaurants and gyms and swimming pools, etc. Uh, people got depressed, people got suicidal, and many actually more people have died because of suicide than all the all the sickness combined together. And, and not many people know that. Uh, those politicians, the media personalities, the mainstream propaganda machinery like CBC and Global and Heralds and Suns and you know Sun News Network, all those devils, they have blood on their hands. They are bloody murderers. They have murdered a lot of people in the past 
few years. And this is just the beginning. A lot more people are going to die because of what they're doing. Uh, they're pushing this lie and not stopping is going to hurt more and more Canadians. So what happened to me, I... the first Canadian to get a COVID ticket and 1,200 surrounded by the police. I was threatened with a million dollars uh, worth of tickets and then arrests. And ultimately, uh, later on, I have been arrested during the COVID lie five times already, believe it or not. I was arrested for kicking those Nazis. And I call them Nazis purposely. I call them not no Nazis not because, you know, I got nothing better to do. I'm calling those people those names because I'm trying to shake Canadian population of, you know, building a bridge and showing them, look, this is a repetition of history. When Adolf Hitler came to power, at the very beginning, he was not murdering people. At the very beginning, he was not building concentration camps. At the very beginning, he was not shooting people in the head, left and right. First, he was beating them up and he was scaring them. He Nazi party was a party of terror. And I want to read something to you that um, I read a couple of days ago. And it really was a fascinating part of history because we're talking about children. We're talking about indoctrinating propaganda. And look what happened to the German people. And again, I want to say something to you. The first victims of the Nazi party were not the Poles, we're not the Jews. The first victims of the Nazi party were the German people, were good people, good citizens, the people that wanted to um, work hard, achieve something. And when they saw great evil approaching, they opposed that, just like we did in our country. Don't kid yourself. Justin Trudeau, Jason Kenney, uh, Ford, those are individuals that will never stop on their own. They're tyrants. They're liars. They're pathological liars. They are tyrants, dictators, and they want you to have nothing, no rights whatsoever. And they are like cancer. They're not going to stop. Cancer needs to be cut out from our society. We have to vote those people out of their offices. If we don't do it, here is what awaits you in just a few years. In when the Nazi came to power in January 1933, I don't know if you remember, Adolf Hitler becomes a chancellor of the Nazi party, uh, democratically elected, let me add. And he was, of course, working his way up years before, but 1933, uh, they have become the official government. The Hitler Youth Movement had approximately 100,000 members. So remember the numbers. 100,000 members in 1933. Then a heavy indoctrination kicked in. In other words, lie after lie, chasing another lie, just like we're seeing from CBC today and other media outlets, the party, the propaganda party. By the end of the same year, membership has increased to more than 2 million people. 2 million people. When a heavy propaganda kicked in, 30% of German youth ages 10 to 18. In the following years, the Nazi regime encouraged and pressured, coercion, pressured young people to join the Hitler Youth, the Hitler Jugend organization. Enthusiasm, peer pressure, and coercion. 
led to a significant increase in membership. By 1937, so that's just four years later, by the tactics that we're seeing right now left and right in our, in our beloved Canada, the membership in the Hitler Youth grew to 5.4 million, 65% of youth ages 10, 18. By 1940, the number was 7. Point million. Over 80% of the young people were forced, coerced, threatened, whatever was at the Nazi party disposal, they were forced to uh, to join the, the Hitler uh, youth. And we know what happened afterwards, right? We know that when you have the young people, young people are easily manipulated and then Hitler attacked Europe and murdered so many tens of millions of people. And when we look back at history, we, we say to ourselves, oh, how, that, how, how was that possible? Well, what we are observing right now in front of our eyes is a repetition of history. So what Hitler did now Trudeau's and Kenny's and Ford's and other devils that we have in government right now are doing is just copy-paste, a repeat, copy-paste, and that's how it goes. The same tactics, because they're being energized by the same father, the devil, the liar, the murderer from the very beginning. So I started to oppose this at the very beginning because I, I saw parallels. I, I saw that this is... This is what I have escaped. I escaped Poland to find freedom. And now communism has found me again in Canada, in free, freest country on earth, I was told. Uh, so I started to speak about it. I started to oppose it. And you know what happens when you oppose the totalitarian regime? You have the very heavy hammer uh, that, will, um, that will try to destroy you. So I started to have those people coming to our church where we feed the poor. Then they started to come to our church building. I had to kick them out. I end up with tickets after tickets after tickets. Uh, during that time, uh, 2020, believe it or not, I had the biggest amount of police at our church over 100 police officers, 52 police cars, and a SWAT team with the chief of police in the city of Calgary was there uh, to monitor our Christmas celebration because I guess the Christmas carolers were so dangerous to the society that it took over 100 police officers with SWAT team to monitor uh, this horrible behavior. And I end up with 15 more COVID tickets Believe it or not, I am still in court for those tickets, fighting them as we speak right now for my horrible crime of feeding the poor and having Christmas carolers daring to sing songs during Christmas celebration. Uh, why? Uh, because at that time, if you remember, singing was prohibited by, the, uh, by China, the you know, I call Canada now China because we're truly living behind the Iron Curtain. And um, the Communist Party of Canada, Justin Trudeau and, and all those uh, minions uh, said that um, singing is prohibited and we are to follow science, their science, science or, or else. Fast forward, I end up in hot water over and over again in, uh, within those uh, few years now and end up with 40 COVID tickets, five arrests, 
and multiple multiple trials that I'm still facing. The latest ordeal that I have been sent to prison for was for me daring to speak at the truck convoy. Because you see, um, giving people hope, uh, encouraging them to stand up for their rights, and saying what I said in Kutz in Montana, Alberta border, that this is a peaceful resistance, no guns, no swords, that we're not um, using violence, uh, but we are just simply re refuse to cooperate with totalitarian regime. It's unacceptable. It's totally un unacceptable. So I have been charged for conducting a, a church service, a Lord's Supper, and giving a speech. I have been charged with terrorism, which I have become the first Canadian citizen to be charged with this offense of uh, interfering with a crucial infrastructure, uh, which normally would give a ticket, uh, you know, you would arrest a person for blowing up pipes or blowing up bridges and doing stuff like this, actual acts of terror. Um, but I was charged with that for just simply giving a speech, a 19 minutes speech, telling people to stand up for, for their rights, just like Solidarity Movement did, just like Lake Wałęsa did in Shipyard in Gdańsk. Uh, so for that, I'm still facing criminal charges and I was picked up by RCMP. When I went outside of my home, I had, I had detectives, I had undercover police, Calgary police, RCMP uh, waiting for me. It was like a big stink operation of takedown of El Chapo or Al Capone or Escobar. I mean, it was absolute gong show. It was crazy. You see stuff like this on television, and it's staged by the Hollywood. Uh, you don't see uh, this stuff in a, a real life, but it happened to me many times now. Like it, it looks like those police officers, which are gangsters in uniform right now, they're no longer peace officers. They are muscle that is working for the biggest mafia that we're facing right now is the government officials, the ones that are not accountable, the ones that are breaking the same rules and mandates, as you know, Jason Kenney, that ultimately ordered my arrest and um, told them to send me to prison. He was caught red-handed, breaking the same mandates and the same regulations, and did it not just by himself, but he did it with his Minister of Environment. He did it with his Minister of um, Finance, Chiefs, a Minister of um, Environment, Jason Nixon and the Minister of Health at that time, Taylor Shandro. Shandro is a very interesting character because he has three charges on himself, some inquiries, if it comes to some legal issues. And he was, I guess, a good Nazi. Uh, he was doing a good job and obeying the orders of his fear, Jason Kenney, even though they were caught red-handed breaking the same regulations and mandates in a sky palace hypocrisy you can google it up if you don't believe me they broke the same court order that i was arrested for and taken to the police custody and tonight at that time with my brother david for a refusal to shut down the church at that time i was charged with inciting people to come to the church
I was charged with officiating an illegal gathering, church service, and participating in illegal illegal gathering, which is a church service. And I'm still in hot waters in a court system uh, because of that crime. However, the politicians did exactly the same thing I did, except I was saving lives and they were just having a drinking party with whiskey in a sky palace. And of course, no charges against them, no tickets, no arrests. Are you kidding me? They are your pharaohs and you are their slaves. Pharaohs will not arrest themselves. Uh, of course not, but they will go after you to the fullest uh, of, of you know of the law. So anyway, fast forward. I am um, Jason Kenny and Chandra. Chandra was shutting down our churches. He was the one that was sending the Nazi uh, health inspectors to our places of worship with a SWAT team, as you remember. And he was the one that ordered my arrest in the middle of the highway. And he is the very one uh, that was doing this for the entire year, over a year, over a year. When he was caught red-handed breaking his own mandates that he was arresting people for, well, guess what? A Nazi party loves to bless, if you will, reward good Nazi members because he has become, and I know you will not believe that, because it's like out of a horror movie, but this crooked politician that have that has blood on his hands, that has murdered because of his mandate so many people, a mask our children, he was rewarded with another ministerial. He has become the solicitor general of the province of Alberta and the minister of justice. Can you believe the level of, of lawlessness in our in our province, like it's unbelievable. So the very man that has inquiries on his own from the legal uh, legal side, he has been re rewarded by Jason Kenney to become even more of a ruthless Nazi uh, that now have the power over the police, power over the courts and the crown prosecutors. And that's why I end up in prison um, because of those boys. So anyway, uh, they interrogate me for hours and shipped me to Calgary Riemann when I spent over 30 days in solitary confinement, believe it or not, which according to the international law is considered a torture. So I was being tortured for over 30 days. The inmates were coming to me with the stories that the guards were inciting violence against me to beat me up or to murder me. The guards were telling the inmates, well, we'll leave Pawlowski's door open. And then if you can do something, that would be great. And if, we, if you do, uh, we're going to give you incentives. So you will have more time outside of your cell and uh, we're going to give you stuff. So that's what I was going on in in Calgary women. Also very interesting is that three times a day, the nurses would come over there. If you think that your um, correctional, correction, correctional um, centers are actually correcting anything, uh, you have no idea what you're talking about because let's say one of your family members ends up in um, a Riemann place every day, Multiple times a day, they are being offered drugs from fentanyl to cocaine and three other drugs. So five different drugs are being offered and they were being offered to me every single day. Um, you can be hooked free 
you pay for that. The taxpayers are paying uh, for all of this. And you can waste your life uh, sitting there doing nothing. And some inmates, I watch them do it, uh, just sleep all day after being, you know, completely wasted on the drugs that was not being smuggled to, to the prison by outside. They were actually brought to the inmates by nurses and the guards. It's it's insane. And I know some people don't want to believe stuff like this. I would never believe how corrupted the system is. I work with the drug addicts, drug dealers, prostitutes for the past 23 years. And I'm telling you, I've never seen bigger pushers than the guards and um, nurses that I have seen being almost two months in, in a remand center. So fast forward um, for... And weeks, what they would do, they would take me out of my cell, solitary confinement, and they would place me on concrete. They would take me out of my cell and they would place me in a tank cell on hard benches. Uh, that was, I was released a month ago. I'm still seeing a doctor that is fixing my back because of what they have done to my body under their care. So um, the, also, one time they took me and they placed me to a metal box and I had no idea why they placed me in a metal box. Later on, I find out that you only place people in that like a telephone boot metal box when you are completely crazy. You're punching and yelling, kicking, screaming, and you are a danger to another human being. They will put you in a metal box so you can calm down. Um, well, I was put in a metal box, first in a green one, and then I had the privilege to be put in another metal box for hours in a small blue metal box that you sit like this, and there is absolutely no movement for no reason whatsoever. Later on, I find out that what they were trying to do, they wanted to break me completely, so I would take the plea. And that's very important to understand the level of corruption within our justice system because they have charged me with multiple charges, but they know that those charges are bogus charges. They're cooked up charges. So what they did when they were torturing me in prison and they knew I desperately wanted to get out of this pickle, if you will, this torturing place, uh, they came with an offer and behold, crown prosecutor, a happy camper come say, hey, you can be out of this place. If you plead guilty to one little small charge, we will withdraw the other charges and you can go home. See the level of corruption, what they wanted, they wanted their front page story. That's what they wanted. Pastor Artopoloski says he's sorry. He pleaded guilty because we told you from the very beginning he's a criminal. And here is the proof he's a criminal. He pleaded guilty to the charge. And uh, we had to sentence him. He pleaded guilty. Uh, there was nothing we could do. He admits he committed an offense. Uh, he's a criminal, but like we said from the very beginning. But all of that was done by coercion, terror, fear, and breaking the law, keeping me in solitary confinement, inciting inmates to murder me or to beat me up. And then you won't believe what happened. One day I was kidnapped from Calgary Riemann Center. And then without the knowledge of my lawyers, without the knowledge of my family, my wife, I was kidnapped to Edmonton, from Calgary to Edmonton. And I was placed in a max pod 
Mag spot is a unit for extremely dangerous murders, uh, people that uh, have murdered someone under, you know, being in prison or they attacked guards. So those types of extremely dangerous individuals are being placed in a max pod, which is a unit, um, top security, a max prison. And that's where they put me. Um, on top of that, I was alone on the entire unit. So can you believe it? I was so dangerous that I had to be placed there by myself on the entire floor. And they put me on the third floor for the most dangerous offenders. And they cranked up air conditioning to a point that I could not, I could not do anything and I could not sleep. I was shivering all night long. When I said that to the guard, I said, listen, um, I came here healthy, but I'm not going to leave this place either alive or healthy. Um, it's extremely cold. You're freezing me to death. It's colder inside than outside. I remember uh, there was still uh, there was still a minus twenty in Edmonton, and he laughed and he said, oh, "At least you have fresh air." And he walked away. So this is the abuse of power I had to endure being under their care. And then from that unit, I was taken to a psych ward. I don't know if you remember how the communists were dealing with an opposition. So during communism, and of course that's being done in North Korea, China, in and in Russia to this day, when they, you know, when the opposition needed to be dealt with, uh, they would take them and put them in a mental ward, and you know, put drugs on them or mess their mind completely, so they would never be able uh, to rise against them. So they shipped me to a psych ward, and when I went over there, I asked the guards, "Where am I?" And they were laughing. I, they thought it was hilarious. They said, you're in a wild, wild west. Uh, this is a psych ward. And then the doctor comes a few days later, and he asks me to come and sit with him. And he says, what are you doing here? And I said, well, sir, I have no idea. And they took me from the max spot, and they put me here, and, and here I am. Uh, I was placed with a schizophrenic in one cell, and, and here I am. So he said that the administration was not allowed to do that. I was not allowed to be there without the approval of the AHS. So even they go against each other. And um, here is what I think they wanted to achieve. Not only they wanted to break me, so I'll take the deal, the plea deal, but also they were hoping that the schizophrenic guy is going to either hurt me or murder me uh, during during that um, that time that I uh, was supposed to spend there. Um, so that's how evil and crooked the whole system is. Right now I'm facing five or six trials, um, many, many tickets, criminal, dozen criminal, um, you know, charges that they have cooked against me. And, and one of the you know, one of the crazy stories um, that happened while I was in prison was that they piled up other charges on top of the ones that I already had. And there was an incident in Canada post in Shoppers Drug Mart when I received a document to pick up a registered mail. And it said, I am the only one that can come and, and receive that mail. So I didn't think twice. I went over there and I wanted to retrieve my mail. And as you know, it's against the law, a theft of a male, it's, it's a federal offense. You go to prison for stuff like this. 
But the clerk, the manager of the Canada Post, she recognized me from, from social media and, and, and the news. And she says, I'm not going to serve you. She refused to serve me. And she walked away and left me without my mail. So I stood there for over 10 minutes. I recorded the whole incident and I left. The next day, I called a friend of mine, an ex-RCMP officer, and uh, I asked him, you know, what would he do? Like, is there any recommendation? He says, call the police and tell the police that uh, you want to retrieve your mail and this person have stolen your mail, refuses to give it to you. So that's exactly what I did. And you won't believe police shows up and then they threw, they went to retrieve my mail. So they, you know, they, they knew that what I was saying was the truth. However, they came out with a manager and a trespass order. They trespassed me from Canada Post. Why? Because I have a medical exemption and I do not wear a muzzle. And this manager refused to serve me because she would not serve an individual that was not wearing a muzzle. And I was trespassed. She was not charged with any offense, which is, of course, what she committed was a, a criminal offense under the federal law. Um, but I was charged. And then ultimately, I was arrested coming back from Leduc with my wife. I was arrested by RCMP in the middle of the highway. And presently, I am facing criminal charges for disturbing peace. And you can watch the video. It's on my uh, YouTube channel. Um, for disturbing peace and for trespass, criminally charged for trespass and for not wearing a muzzle. Three criminal charges, um, even though they know I have a medical exemption and they still charge me with an offense, trespass and also disturbing peace. So that's the level of insanity. They, this is a total lawlessness. Those people don't care about the rule of law. They don't care about justice. They only care about implementing their agenda. And don't kid yourself. In the province of Alberta, at the beginning of the pandemic, $1 billion disappeared. And to this day, no one knows where the money is. So someone somewhere paid lots of money to different individuals to do this to you. And I want you to be very clear. This is not the virus that has been doing this to us. We have been living with flus, and cancer and AIDS and yellow fever and all kinds of crazy stuff for a very long time. This is not the virus that has done this to you. The virus didn't destroy your business. The virus didn't destroy your restaurants and your loved ones. The virus didn't do that. It's the government tyrants that did this to you. And I want you to remember their names because when this is done and over, and I believe, I want to believe that one day this, is, this will be done and over, that we have to remember those people and go after them in Nuremberg trial number two of some sort to remember that they need to be accountable. Why is this important to remember them? Because if we will not, maybe themselves, the, the same people, maybe another batch with different faces and different names will come again and will do even bigger harm to you and your children. That's why the Nuremberg number one was so important. It was sending a message to the whole world that even if the war is over, we will do our best to keep the villains accountable. And we cannot forget that. 
that after two years of murdering our loved ones, they need to be accountable for what they have done. And we, we the people, we have the power. You know what happened in 1980? It was a realization by the Polish people. And here is what, what I want to envision how it played out. 36 million Poles were ruled, uh, you know, were ruled by 50,000 communists until the 36 million Poles said, hey, wait a second, there's more of us than of them. Why are we serving them? Why are we their slaves? There's more of us. We can eat them for breakfast if we choose so. You see, Canadians, please, there is more of us than of them. If we choose to be free, we can be free. I'm telling you. If we choose to say no more, I'm not playing this game, this sick, twisted horror game. I'm not participating in this brainwashing. I'm not your guinea pig. If you say no more, it's over for the villains. Believe me, that's how powerful we are. Why do you think they've locked me in a psych ward? Why do you think they've locked me in prison? Because they're terrified of my time. I have zero record of violence. I have never been charged with assault. You know what they're afraid? They're afraid of my pen. Oh, here is one last story. I, I know that I have been um, alone, but here is a very interesting story, uh, Tanya. When I was in uh, Edmonton uh, prison, um, they would not give me a pen. And I write, and I write, and I actually wrote a book uh, being in prison. So I'm typing it right now, every day, a few pages on the computer. So a book is coming from... Um, from this whole ordeal. So I was writing a lot. When I was transferred to Edmonton, they refused to give me a pen. And when I asked why, I just spent 40 some days with, you know, with inmates later on when I was uh, released from solitary confinement after 30 some days. And I had pens and I had pencils and it was not a big deal. And suddenly they said, but you, you're too dangerous to have a pen. So I was, as a pastor, I was too dangerous to have a pen. I'll tell you why. Because they were terrified that I'm going to write down their names, that I'm going to write down uh, what is happening. When I was transferred to a psych ward unit and placed with a schizophrenic that murdered his brother with a machete, guess what? He had multiple pens, multiple pencils. And when I shared the story with him, he said, well, here, take mine. <laughs> Can yeah. you... Can you believe it? You it's know, just, it is just shocking to hear your story, to think that this is actually happening in Canada. And, you know, I just have so much love and respect for you, Pastor Archer, as does everyone who is here in attendance tonight. It is so important. I know that you've been on multiple interviews, but it is so important for your story to be heard personally and to get out as far and wide as possible so that Canadians understand what we are up against, that they can't shrug this off as if you know the, the restrictions are lifted. The emergency measures are not provincially. This is just a pause to trick people and lull them into thinking that their life is getting back to normal. It's coming again in the fall. Uh, Pastor Arthur has been through, you know, a type of hell and back again, not only in Poland, coming to Canada to live a life of freedom and joy and safety. And now he's been revisited with communism again. 
So heed his words of warning and that we all need to take responsibility and as well heed his words. What can we do? Stop complying. Stop complying. Absolutely don't wear that mask. It is a sign from the government to see who they still have control over. Don't put that mask on your kids and find ways to see your elderly. It is absolutely atrocious what you have been through. So on that, I know that uh, people have been filling up our Q&A to, to ask you questions. Are you opening, open to having some time uh, to doing this? And, you know, what we're facing right now, if we go back through history to since the beginning of time, uh, the devil roams the earth. A lot of people who aren't Christians are saying, you know, I don't believe in God, but I sure sense an evil upon the earth. And then I, I, I question, well, how can you believe in this evil and not believe there's something to counter that a great good? There is a God in heaven who's watching over us. The devil has been given a time on earth. Uh, and, and in the end times, he said that he will come and torment and uh, deceive people. And we're living in a time of deception, but we also have a great opportunity that truth can set us free. And that's the mission that Action for Canada is on as well. You know, one thing I want to bring up, and I know, Pastor Archer, I've spoken to you before about this in the fall, but it was just only Judge Rook that um, I, I had my sights on at the time. But these are the judges, Judge Olson, Judge Germain. These are several of the judges who have been in cahoots with the government, who have um, who are in violation of their oath to the bench. They've taken an oath to uphold the law and to respect and uphold the Constitution and the Charter Rights and Freedoms and the human rights of individuals. And they are in violation. And I believe these individuals, uh, we would like to see them in jail. I, I think that they should um, have to pay for the crimes, crimes against humanity that they're committing, the uh, terrorism that they're supporting in this nation and the treachery of our government. And so, I, you know, at some point, I think it would be uh, quite something for us to put this poster out throughout Alberta, because I think when they come out in public, people should know their faces and they should question them. We're not asking for any acts of violence. We're not condoning that. But what we believe is that these judges did not care about what their decision would do to Pastor Arthur in the public place and what he personally has had to in endure publicly such as what he went through at the post office. And I believe that there, there needs to be accountability and that this message should get out that if you're going to mess uh, uh, with individuals' lives, that, you know what, be prepared. Be prepared that it will come back to you. And uh, so that's something that Action for Canada wants to get behind on a mission. The other part is, I super truly wanted you to hear firsthand from Pastor Arthur because when I sat down with him with Majed, um, I wept afterwards to think that um, he endured this when when you talked about uh, the box, the metal box that you were put in. You know, I know that there's criminals there that have murdered people and done horrendous things. Uh, but I can't say that uh, putting people in a box like that would have any kind of positive uh, effect on an ind individual's mindset, um, especially an innocent pastor who has done nothing but love and serve uh, people and his community and is willing to uh, lay down his life in order to bring awareness 
to the crimes against humanity that are being committed in Canada right now. So with that, uh, under legal action, uh, we have got campaign to end the persecution of Christians in Canada. We are asking you to please donate to this critical campaign. Oops, sometimes I do that. I click on things. I don't know how I did it. And uh, just to come to this page, please donate. Uh, please help us because uh, Majed from One Free World International, he has been globally helping persecuted Christians and minorities in uh, countries around the world. The majority of them, of course, are Islamic countries. Uh, again, this is another system of belief that I've been telling you that is trying to invade Canada. And we cannot allow that to happen, but that'll be another conversation for another day. Uh, but we know what's going on in other, uh, other nations, and it's now on our soil. And Majed has had incredible success rate. He has a team of lawyers, and he does not go on the defensive. He goes at this from the offensive. And so we're, we're uh, preparing our campaign. We're going to represent all persecuted pastors in Canada, and we are also any persecuted Christians. This is just a short list and a growing list of pastors who have either been fined or imprisoned. Uh, we've got Pastor Phil. People don't know about Pastor Phil, uh, but there needs to re be reports on what is going on to um, our lead pastors across Canada and their courage in keeping their churches open, which is according to the law and their right. Anyways, uh, you can access that. Uh, Sheila will promote it as well in the chat area. All right. So Terenzio, uh, if everybody, if you want to raise your hand and ask a question, we can do it that way. Plus, we have some in the Q and A. Yes, thank Terenzio. you very much. And I, I thought right. I, I would just—I thought it was funny when you were going through the uh, all of the judges there. We heard some sirens in the background. That was not a sound effect. <laughs> I think that was a message from God. So that was really funny. There uh, we go. We're coming for him. <laughs> first, we we have uh, Don. Hi, Don. Can you unmute? There we go. What's your question, Don? Uh, it's just a statement, Pastor. I just want to command you. Thank you, Don. Do you have... you've gone through. Continue to be strong and courageous. Thank you. Thank you, Don. <laughs> Sorry, it's got me choked up too. All right. Um, Thank you very much, Don. Next question is from Kalora. Hi, Kalora. What's your Hi. question? Hi, my past. My question is for Pastor Art. I was listening to you in an interview, and I don't know which one. It was about the fact that you need to get all of the parties, political parties, to unite in Alberta. And even if we do, though, this is the thing that bothers me. The more I learn about the political system in Canada, the more I get worried because all of the prime minister, uh, MPs, MLAs, they still swear allegiance to the Queen, which is Queen Elizabeth. We are still a constitutional monarchy. So even if we do vote a new political party and they will still be swearing their allegiance to the Queen as our head of state. I know this, sorry, Tanya, it's sort of like a uh, I'm just so terrible concerned. background noise. Oh, okay. okay. Well, you can. I I wrote my question down. Do you want to read it then, Tanya? I can do that if it's in the Telegram page. I I want to remind you, Kalora, that last week we had David Lindsay on, and swearing an oath to the Queen is not a bad thing. The coronation oath is a living, breathing document that was signed in 1953 by the Queen, committing 
fully committing that I, uh, that Canada would be governed by uh, Christian biblical principles. And so therefore, any of these faux legislations, these anti-God legislations, if we get the right government in and the right elected officials, we will be rescinding those one after the other because they do not align with biblical principles. Abortion does not align. Same-sex marriage does not align. I know that's going to upset a lot of people, but it happens to be a fact. And when we open the door to these immoral things in Canada, God ends up turning his back on us for a while and he lets us pay for the sins that we permitted. False teachings from false gods and false religions, they all add up. Anyways, Pastor Arthur, what would you have further to say about that? Well, I agree, because if you know, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the monarchy, of course. Mm -hmm. um, I, my allegiance are to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. However, her, one of her titles is a defender of faith. So if we are looking at the law, because uh, for the past two years, we are being labeled as lawbreakers, troublemakers, uh, those people that, you know, we're not following science and we just... We are white supremacists, racists, and, and so on. But when you actually look at the law that we have, the Criminal Code of Canada, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, the fundam fundamentally guaranteed rights, and um, what the Queen is supposed to stand for, I mean, that's a full protection. You don't even need more protection. If those politicians would follow the law, we will have no problems whatsoever. Uh, the problem we are facing is not that they swore allegiance to the queen, is that they're not following the law. We have lawlessness. Those judges, they didn't follow the law. They're political. They are political activists. And that's a big difference. They're not following the rule of law. They're not following the precedences. They're not following that at all. They're following the party line. And again, mm -hmm. we, it brings us back to the Nazi party of Adolf Hitler or the communism you were not allowed to follow the law. You had to follow the party line. And that's exactly what we're seeing in Canada. Uh, all the mainstream media outlets is like copy-paste. I mean, it's like one editor is uh, sending this to all of those, uh, to, 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 to those uh, media outlets, and it's identical. Sometimes just yeah. the wording is a little bit changed here and there, but the story is identical. Why? Because... They're following the party line. They're being told what to cook and they're cooking it. So, for example, if you have, you know, I, I feed thousands of people on the streets of Calgary. Of course, we receive zero dollars from the government. Everything is done by volunteers and private donations. But when we do chili, that's what you're going to have. You're going to have chili on the streets. So when you send a recipe to all the media, mainstream media propaganda machinery and uh, that's what you're going to have uh, they're cooking chili everyone eats chili if it's a chicken it's chicken nationwide uh, there is no free and independent uh, media outlet anymore outside of the mainstream party um, now that's why it's so important to keep people like a rebel and to have those webinars and to be able to post everywhere we can. And I get it that sometimes those um, platforms are wicked and evil and this and that. Uh, however, I said to people, as long as I can use the enemy, I will use the enemy. Exactly. Remember, David chopped the head of the giant, not with his own weapon. He used the weapon of the enemy. He used the sword of Goliath. 
against Goliath's own head. So uh, be wise in all of this stuff. And we, if we can use the enemy's own devices, use it. Excellent. And this is one of the reasons as well that Action for Canada has been providing you all of these resources, as such as the notice of liability against the media, because we're going after people in their capacity as, a, as an individual human being who has to comply with the law like the rest of us, regardless of what their editor or, you know, the, the owner of the uh, media happens to tell them, whether it's Global News or CTV or CBC. And, and so as we compel them that what they're, is, what they're doing is wrong in deceiving the public because it's against their own oath that they've taken and their own ethical standards, then at some point in time, we hope to be able to take them to court. And that's the threat. You will be held liable at some point. This happened during the Nuremberg trials as well. There, there was one of the top media personnel who paid for their crimes against humanity as well. So uh, keep busy, keep working. We may not see you know, results immediate re immediately right now, but we're going to continue to pursue them until we overturn this. And as far as elected officials are concerned, we got lots of amazing people in the freedom movement who are stepping up and running for positions of office. And we need to know who we're voting for and where they stand on these critical issues and stop voting out of fear and for party lines. We're done with that. We've seen that it's not changing anything. It's only making them more powerful. And at some time, we got to bite the bullet and start to uh, voting for those people who are actually on our side and we can trust. All right, next we have Tanya. Hello, Tanya. On unmute, I have to confess that I'm Tanya's twin sister, Christina, she's so emotional to speak right now. We just want to say hello to everybody, especially to Pastor Arthur. We are two immigrants from Romania. We grew up in communism. We are um, um, we are speechless to see what is growing here, um, but we are not afraid of anything, but by the, uh, we, we love uh, our Lord Jesus Christ and his Father and the Holy Spirit. And uh, um, I just I just want to tell you, uh, Pastor Arthur, that we prayed for you while you were in in, uh, in jail. Uh, we still pray for you. We, we very much love you and admire you. Um, and um, I, was, uh, I was wondering, can you share with us, um, you were... Um, your presence, I, I, uh, we watch all your videos, and uh, it was we were very impressed by uh, your experience, your uh, impact on, on your inmates. You gave them courage, and I think this is a very nice story. Maybe you would like to share this with us, and uh, God bless you. You have our support. We are immigrants from Romania. Our uh, maternal grandfather was a priest persecuted by communists, and they had to flee uh, to leave Ukraine with a baby and a suitcase. Uh, and then uh, from my father's side, there were aristocrats, honest people. They had to endure communists. We came here for freedom and we intend to fight for it. So um, thank you very much for doing what you're doing for us. Thank you, Canada. Thank you, Action for Canada, for existing. And God is our Lord, the only Lord to us. Thank you very much. Pastor Arthur, would you like to respond to that? Sure. Thank you so much. Um, my grandma escaped from Romania at that time. It was part of Poland when the Russians invaded Romania. Uh, they had to escape with my great uncle and they were caught by the Russians, taken to the police station. And my uh, great uncle was a soldier. So he lowered my grandma on a rope and they escaped to Poland. And they've met uh, my grandfather, which escaped uh, Siberia. Um, so our family is filled with freedom fighters, people that fought 
and uh, pay the price for freedom. So I hear you. It's 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 crazy what we are observing. I think Canadians have no absolutely no idea what is really going on. They don't understand how evil, awful those types of individuals can become if they're not stopped. If it comes to ministering in prison, I mean, at the beginning it was extremely difficult because I was um, at 22 to 25 hours every single day in solitary. And when I was coming out, all the other inmates were ordered to be locked. So I was always alone. I was not allowed to have any interactions. That's how they were messing with my brain. They wanted to break me. They wanted me to quit. Um, however, what I would do, I would go outside their cells and start to minister uh, to those that were um, the worst, put it this way, yelling, screaming, banging, cursing, and I would try to calm them down, pray for them. And others were listening to my conversations. And then soon they started to come to my cell and I would counsel people and I would pray for them when I was in solitary, they would come outside and I would be able to, to talk to them and tell the Bible stories uh, and pray with them and cancel them. And then soon when I was released, I had my entire unit, <laughs> entire unit was sitting at my tables for a Bible study and church services and prayer sessions. So every day we would have a church uh, together and I would share a Bible stories. I'll talk to them about uh, Shadrach, Michigan, and Abednego standing, uh, you know, standing strong, tall in the face of fiery furnace and Daniel in lion's den and all kinds of different stories. And uh, it was very interesting to see hardcore criminals, I mean, tattooed, uh, you know, dangerous looking dudes um, lifting their hands in prayer or just bowing their heads. And I think that's what the government didn't like, because I turned my entire unit into a church. And I started to influence those boys. And I was telling not to take drugs, not to participate in this craziness. And I think they were afraid I'm going to have too much power over those people and they will stop using drugs. So they kidnapped me and took me to Edmonton. But over there, I started the Bible study again with the uh, with, with the mentally challenged people. And uh, mm -hmm. soon I had my entire table filled with, with inmates listening to the Bible stories and, and coming for prayer. Actually, in the morning, uh, they would come to me and say, uh, you know, Pastor, would you bless me? So I, uh, you know, that's what I did. I messed with the enemy wherever I could. And soon I started to have people uh, that were not just interesting, interested to listen. They started to study. Believe it or not, I have been released about a month ago from prison and to this day, they're calling me still. And one, uh, particularly one inmate, is actually preaching at our church every Saturday morning when he calls from prison and he shares with the people every week. Um, and he calls me every day. So we talk, we pray together. And he is, I call him my deacon because he took <laughs> over the job that I left. He now has prayer meetings and he is doing his best to keep the church going. Um, of course, there were some sad stories when uh, guards would beat up a guy that was giving me a time on the phone. And the abuse of power uh, is unbelievable over there. And, you know, stripped naked searches and um, it's just it's just the way it is. But that's what mm -hmm. I vowed to expose. Um, so that's what I would did with them. I led a number of them to the Lord. And to this day, we're in contact. To this day, they're strong and they're believing and, and they're saying, hey, when we get out, uh, we're joining your church. 
That's Actually, incredible. Some of them, some of them uh, want to be baptized. So they're waiting uh, to get uh, released so they can come and I can baptize them in the river. That is absolutely amazing. I love it because the Bible clearly says, right, what the devil meant for harm, God will use it for good. And he is fully in control and all powerful. And uh, I think that's what turns the other side inside out, because as much as they want to be anti-God, they know that he is the supreme ruler. And yet they're still going to try to uh, defy him. But we're on the winning side. I'm going to go through a couple of questions. Let's see how fast we can answer some of these. Uh, Pastor Artur, you know that there are many of us here in Canada and A4C who were active fighters in solidarity there for many years, who lost jobs, were arrested, jailed, etc., you opened the Solidarity Organization Group in Canada. Don't you need our experience to bring there? Sure, of course. I mean, we can only win this when we unite. And we need, mm -hmm. we need people everywhere. Uh, one organization cannot do it. We need all the people come together, just like I've seen in 1980, when all the Poles, uh, at least for that moment, they have, you know, they forgot uh, the 10,000 different things that uh, brings division and they focus on the very thing that was uniting them, freedom. Uh, so, of course, uh, contact me, art at streetchurch.ca, art at streetchurch.ca, and, um, and we, can, uh, we can chat. Uh, I need, we need every help we can get. Awesome. Okay. Um, it seems the majority of pastors in Canada have been silent or even against the truth during these past couple of years. Would you have any suggestions on what we can do to help these pastors wake up and start recognizing the truth and in turn stand up for it? Well, first of all, I would say the Bible is very clear. Cowardly will not inherit the kingdom of God. They, what we are witnessing right now is the greatest separation between the goats and the sheep and the sheep and the wolves. So those goats and the, sh and, and the wolves, they want to do their own little thing. And they think that by getting incentives, millions of dollars from the government, by playing along or being good Nazis and Gestapo and, and KGB is going to save them from the hands of the government. And maybe they're right. Maybe the government will uh, treat them well. I doubt it. Uh, Stalin called them useful idiots and he murdered them in the end. And Hitler did the same thing because who likes a traitor? If you have betrayed one king, what is going to stop you from betraying another? I wouldn't want to have you around unless Jesus would enter your heart and you would repent like Peter from your betrayal. So what we're witnessing is that those leaders have sold Jesus for a bowl of soup. Um, they give up their, their birthrights for comfort. And then we have a group of people that have turned to be Judas Iscariot. They've sold Jesus for a coin. Uh, those people will not enter the kingdom of God. So my suggestion to Christians and to the church leaders is read the Bible and you will see from the beginning to the end, men and women of God, a heroes of faith that would not bow before the law of man because the law of man was in contradiction to the law of God. So you have a choice right now. Whom are you going to obey? Either man or God. The chapter four of book of Acts is very clear. It says, you be the judges whom we are to obey, men, you, or God. Chapter five is more precise, more straightforward. We must obey God rather than men. And you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You got Daniel, you got Esther, you got Mordecai. You got all those heroes of old uh, doing the opposite you're doing right now. They refuse to comply. They refuse to obey men's order because the men's order went against commandments of God. For example, lay hands on the sick. 
So if the government says to me, I am not allowed to lay hands on the sick, anoint them with oil so they can recover, I have a choice either to obey Hinsha, the devil, or Tom that doesn't even know if he's a man or a woman uh, straight from Hong Kong. Um, you know, who, I'm, uh, who am I going to obey? A man that is so messed up that doesn't even know who he is? Or my God that is holy and righteous and more powerful, all powerful. So I have decided to obey God rather than men. And my life is in the hands of my savior. It's not in the hands of the judges and the politicians. My God decides my fate. So those pastors, uh, I pity them because they have been called to have the greatest job ever to be God's shepherds of God's people. And they have betrayed not just God, but they betrayed those people and they have led them to the slaughterhouse. It's not over for them if they will repent like the Pharisees and Sadducees of old, if they would turn away from their wicked ways, God would still forgive them or wash them with, with his blood. But they have to go to their knees and cry out, God, forgive me for what I have done, for what I have allowed the evil to do. So that would be my uh, pleading with them. Uh, it's still a time you can repent, turn away from your wicked ways or else. Right. And stand up and be the men and women of God. God has called you to be. And as the Bible says, choose this day whom you shall serve. And the head of the uh, BC RCMP, McDonald, he claims to be a, a man of God, a Christian. And I have ended emails because I have completely informed him of everything that's been going on for two years. And um, in some of those emails, I continue to say, choose this day whom you shall serve. And, and this just goes not only for pastors, but we're calling on all Christians. We would be doing a great disservice in this nation if we whitewash the truth because we were afraid of offending you. And we need to get on our knees and we need to repent in this nation because God promises to heal our land. And I have endured uh, some attacks in the last weeks as I have um, been outing the new age and their ties to the World Economic Forum. But many, many more have come to a point where they recognize this as truth and have walked away from it. Alan has gotten over 400 people who have contacted him to say they've either, either walked away from the new age, thanking profusely for us uh, bringing awareness. And we're gonna continue to build on that truth. We're gonna continue to proclaim the truth so that more people will become aware. And as far as pastors are concerned, if you're feeling alone, Action for Canada has a pastoral team. When you join Action for Canada, you can click on the pastoral team and we will be in touch with you. We have resources, uh, all of the support that you need in order to have your church fully open and leading your sheep because pastors have a higher calling, which means that God will judge you even greater on the day of judgment. Because if you fail and you fail to lead your sheep well, I, 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 that's just a warning. I'm gonna just stop right there, take it seriously. Uh, no, be pastor. Before you go, uh, when I was in British Columbia, I don't know if you remember, but we had a, a lunch with some leaders, I won't say their names, but I asked one of them a very simple question. I said, how is the church doing if it comes to finances? And here is the answer. He says, better than ever. So you've shut down your churches. Uh, you don't have to do anything. There's no uh, big overhead now. Um, you can just Zoom your services. And it suits you very well because I said, what do you mean? And he says, well, the money is pouring. People are giving online. People are giving. And I say to you, my friends, if you 
faster. Have locked you up and muzzled you like a dog and was guarding the door to a sanctuary, telling you you have to show the Nazi communist passport. Why in the right mind you would give him even a penny? Why, oh, why would you support the traitors, Judas's Iscariots? You see, they have sold you to the enemy because of money. Money is their God, and, and government gave them millions upon millions of dollars of incentives to do this to you. Why would you yeah. support people like that? I would prefer to see half of the churches completely shut down and never to reopen than to have thousands of churches lukewarm, um, you know, trade treacheries, leading people uh, to the slaughterhouse. Stop giving money to the very people that have done this to you. You know, I just agree. It's, it's, it's beyond I, me to support them. I 100% agree with you. I know that as we were trying to reach out to pastors and provide them all of the resources, in February of 2021, we had 360 some odd pastors and church leaders show up to our webinar. And I mean, we were really facilitating them. We had really good information for them to lawfully stay open. And then it kind of dwindled down to about 20. And we were going, working so hard to uh, continue the momentum of trying to facilitate facilitate them. And then we were going to the evangelical leaders uh, of Canada and on their own website, they were showing pastors how to get grants from the government, how to close down. And we're going, how can you be doing this? Had all of the pastors united on a united front stayed open and defied the government we would not be in this position. Millions of Canadians would have been actively involved and, and being the ministers in their community saying, you are being deceived. You're being deceived and we would not be here. All right, do you feel God has chosen you personally to face this current persecution? I know that he's prepared you for it for certain. Does it make you bolder knowing you are a witness for the gospel on behalf of so many others? hundred percent. I mean, first of all, I'm a Polish, Polish immigrant. And if you know anything about Polish people, we're crazy. We're crazy like Irish. Crazy tough. <laughs> we're pretty crazy, crazy tough. So um, I grew up in a very hard environment to survive. You had to be tough. And I think all my life, God prepared me for such a time as this, just like the story of Mordecai and Esther. We have been trained. Joseph would not be called a savior of the nations if he would not spend 13 years of hard labor, slavery, and imprisonment, false accusation. It's like my wife always says to me when I whine and complain, which I do from time to time, poor me, poor me. And then she says, well, you, Art, you would like to have better than Jesus himself. They hated him. They persecuted him. Uh, they excluded him. Um, he was rejected. He was kicked out. He was hunted down. So in other words, pick up your cross daily and follow me, Jesus said. They hated me. They will hate you. They persecuted me. They will persecute you. That's a given. Uh, so he has been preparing us and me uh, for sure for many years to endure this hostility so in other words what i'm saying i don't really care what people say to me or or, or you know accuse me of or um you know uh, try to intimidate me or call me names i don't really care what i care about is this i know who my god is 
and I know who I am in God. Those are the two most important things in my life. Knowing who your God is, how powerful is your father, which is in heaven? How mighty is his hand? Can he deliver you or not? And if you know who you are in Christ, you are the son or the daughter of the living God. You are the heir to the throne. You are um, a brother or a sister mm-hmm. of uh, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the creator of heavens and the earth. I mean, do you know that our enemies are only alive because our papa, papi, our father allows them to wake up in the morning? They live because my father says they're still useful to me. I want to use them to show my mighty hand, the power. You know why Egyptians and the Pharaoh existed? They existed because God said, I show the whole world how powerful I am. So he allowed difficulties to come, to happen to the Israelites so he can show who he really is. And to this day, we talk about what happened in Egypt. It's a fascinating story. We just preached about this during the Passover celebration. So again, yes, I believe that God has been preparing, and not just me, I believe he has been preparing lots of people like me and you, Tanya, um, and others like you. He has been preparing us for a long time for such a time as this. Yes. I, I went through 20 years of extreme hardship to polish up this diamond, (laughs) you know, through the refining fire. I was a shy person who always advocated for people and for their rights. Um, But the Tanya of 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, could not have endured what it is that I'm facing today. And I thank the Lord for it. So thank him when he is allowing you to experience hardship because he is, and if you use it, if you allow him to use you, take that empty vessel and say, yes, Lord, use me. And he will do powerful things through you. And we serve a mighty living savior who is risen and he is all powerful. What the enemy has used against us in the past two years was fear. And God has not given us a spirit of fear. The enemy has. And because God is all powerful, and if we proclaim him as such, we do not live in fear, even when persecuted, even when persecuted. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you another good question, Pastor Arthur. How do you feel about the conservative party, the conservative party leadership, and uh, these individuals who are sitting MPs who are running as leaders. I understand that uh, Grant, um, Grant Abraham is running from outside of the party, uh, a godly man with uh, strong morals and ethics, and, as well as Joseph. But how do you feel about the Conservative Party and people still thinking that we can win them over? Well, here's what I would say. When you look at the politicians, you have to look at them through the eyes of the past two years, where, where they have been in the past two years. Did they stood with the people? Were they willing to pay the price? Because there are some, you know, there are some people, I remember many years ago, um, I've heard this saying, this English saying that success has many fathers. And there will be a lots of people that will try to come Uh, jump on a wagon of success. So because the liberals are so unpopular, the NDPs are the destroyers of everything they touch. I mean, you have to be brain dead, brainwashed completely to vote for NDP Communist Party of Canada. Uh, Wherever they go, they are the destroyers of economy. They're the destroyers of moral standards. Everything they touch is evil. Liberals are as bad as them. So when you look at the conservatives, 
I would say, where they have been during the time when we needed them the most. When you find the person that stood with us during that ordeal and was willing to pay the price and was paying the price, that would be my choice. Find the people that for the past two years were in the front lines, paying the price, getting the wounds, bleeding for you, for Canadians. That will tell you that they were and they still are the real deal. The fake politicians will always come and they will talk the talk. They will try to present themselves as the freedom fighters. However, my question is where, uh, where, where they were hiding where in the past two years. Where are the politicians standing for me? I am facing prison. And what have I done? I stood with the people for the rights, God and state given rights. And where are the politicians? We don't have even one in the province of Alberta that stands with me, not even one. Can you believe it? Not one politician that publicly is willing to stand up and say, this is wrong, what is happening. So that tells you everything. Why would you vote for people that have sold you to the Philistines, to the uncircumcised mm -hmm. in the first place? They're traitors, they're cowards, they're turncoats, and they're going to sell you. Here's what I know about tra traitors. If they sold you today, they're going to sell you tomorrow. It's just a matter of how much. Perfect. I would never vote for a person like this. So um, that's my answer. You have to Love pick your, um, your candidate. Um, if, I, if I was to choose, I would look at the ballot and try, try to find out someone that was there with us from the beginning or from almost the beginning or at least halfway through it. Um, and then that would be my, that would be my uh, choice. Yeah, and we'd be pretty hard pressed um, in the Conservative Party of sitting MPs who are running as leader of the parties to find one. Um, as we know, Derek Sloan stood up and he was no longer welcome in the Conservative Party. Uh, Maxine Bernier has put it all out there for the past two years and prior to COVID, uh, this COVID fraud hitting. And um, that's my stand on it as well. I've looked at the Conservative Party in every sitting MP. They say that uh, Bill C-4 got passed because they quickly put this motion forward. They didn't realize it. That's not good enough, um, in, in my opinion. And uh, they've been missing in action. They've been promoting the vaccination, even uh, I call it vaccination loosely. Um, you know, they may not have liked Aaron O'Toole, but they didn't stand up. And so we've got two people outside of the party who um, are in good standing. And if people want to pay $10 or $15 to become a conservative member, that's their choice. But just remember as well, they're asking you, they're demanding that you raise $300,000 for each of the candidates in order to decide whether or not have the opportunity to vote for them. And every last conservative leadership election I've been part of, they knew who that winner was already going to be. So do you want to apply yourself to this party? And uh, people are already having a difficult not time enough because they've been missing in action, because they've lost their jobs. Hundreds of thousands of businesses have been forced to close. And so you got the smooth talkers there on the front lines right now, and they always are, are monitoring the public, gauging them, seeing what the hot topics are, and now they're willing to stand out and, and talk about them in order to get elected. So be cautious. Pray for wisdom um, and also don't live by fear. 
I really believe that God is going to do something miraculous if we just throw fear out the window and start applying ourselves to actually care about the hearts and the minds of the people that we're electing. Okay, you know what? It's I know there's more questions, Pastor Archer. We could be here for another hour, but we're going to wrap this up. And I would love it. I have one question myself. How could we pray for you? What are your greatest prayer requests right now? Well, as you know, I have been hammered left and right, so it has been difficult. So what we are going to do right now, we are actually raising funds for our own building. I want to buy a piece of property outside of Calgary uh, within 20 minutes from the city limits and to grow our own food, to build a church, a community, not just a church building that is empty for the whole week. I want to have a building where we can do stuff every single day. I want to have homeschooling. I want to hire teachers that were fired and start creating a society that I've seen in the United States where the churches were the centers of a society, just like it used to be, historically speaking, that everything was evolving around the Christian community. So during the week, there would be a school in the church, and then during the weekends would be the church services, and then outside would be a growing of food and animals and, and all kinds of different other facilities for the people to come and enjoy as we should uh, within our community. So that's what I have on my heart right now. The past two years, I realized that when they want to shut down the society, they can do it. But if we have our own little society, then we can be on private property living uh, together um, among ourselves and surviving this growing, being of great, if you will, growing our own animals and the greenhouses and stuff like that. So if you want, you can become part of that www.streetchurch.ca. Streetchurch.ca uh, is the website you can you can chip in if you want. Uh, we're feeding thousands of people on a regular basis as well. If it comes to the legal fights uh, and my personal life, I would just ask you to pray a very simple prayer. Just pray for God's perfect will to manifest mm -hmm. in my life. Because sometimes we have our own ideas how our life should look like. But when we are in a perfect will of our Father, which is in heaven, He knows everything uh, we need before we even ask Him. So this is my prayer, God. Whatever that means, I want to be in Your perfect will. Because I know that if I am in God's perfect will, He's going to get the glory, and I will have the best life a man possibly can can have. So that's my prayer. And I know that we're going to win. Don't be discouraged. I know the Goliaths of the land are big. The Philistines, the uncircumcised, uh, the Trudeaus, um, they think they're the pharaohs. But look what happened to the Philistines. Look what happened to Goliath. Uh, he lost his own head with his own devices. So my prayer is, Father God, turn their own devices against their own heads. Yes, the gallows that they have built against Mordecai, so let the hamans hang on them. The pits that they have dug, let them fall into their own snares. And I pray that the lying tongue will go back where it came from. Uh, I pray that the confusion will be in the enemy's camp. Let them turn on each other. And I pray that God's perfect will will, will be manifested in, in his children. 
Oh, amen. That's powerful. Absolutely. And I and I love it what you're talking about within the community. We have been appealing to Canadians to become chapter leaders. We're looking for people of faith who will lead and um, embrace what action or what Canada itself is is founded on those biblical principles, because that is the, the most powerful thing that is going to pull us out of this is having having that kind of faith based on Jesus Christ and biblical principles and what that's done for us in this nation. And our appeal has been within those chapters to reach out to churches and request that they open up their spaces so we could pull our kids out of the public school system and, and the teachers that can no longer work there and give them a facility from which they can have safety in learning and kids can be kids again. So we support you and we love you. Would you close this time as well in prayer with us? Amen. Well, I think everyone that came and was willing to listen to this, I just pray that you would not lose heart, do not lose faith. Mm -hmm. Fear and the blanket of terror that they have, they have tried their best to scare us away. It, it comes from the pit of hell. But when you have faith, faith, the Bible says that God, you cannot please God without faith. Faith moves mountains. Faith is God's money, if you will. So I want to pray that God would increase our faith in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Give us, Father, faith that moves the mountains, faith of Daniels and Shadrachs and Meshachs and Abednego, Esthers and Mordecais, faith of the book of Acts, faith of the people of old that would come in and would know who their God is and who they were in God. I bless everyone that was listening to this. Father God, bless them, keep them and protect them. And I pray that no weapon forged against them shall prosper. And I break the power of the lying tongue. Instead, I am saying blessing over everyone and prosperity from heaven and healing and the will of my Father, which is in heaven upon everyone of us in the name of Jesus protect us father that we would not go to the left or to the right let us keep keep that middle lane that line and focus on you and your kingdom let us focus on the crown on the prize in the name of Jesus let us our lives bring father you always glory amen amen and amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Archer. Um, you are a dear friend of Action for Canada's. I consider you a friend, a brother in Christ, and we are going to continue in this battle. And uh, we are on the winning side, regardless of what it looks like. So, so bless you. Stay in touch. We'd love to have you on again, uh, because people want to keep up to date on what's happening in your life and uh, those that you're up against. So bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Well, everyone, that was uh, just such a powerful time with Pastor Artur. Uh, like I say, I know that he's been in interviews and he's given his testimony of what's happened to him right here in Canada. I know that one of the questions that had come up, we've always got such short time with so many questions, and that somebody in the Matt Squeak pr prison um, is, is saying that prisoners 
are, are dying and the dropping like flies was the quote. And I would like if in some way that you could provide your contact information in there, I'd like to be in touch further. Um, if you could uh, make that information available, if you can get in touch with Sheila, we'll see how that goes. If not, we'll see if this can be something we'll bring to the forefront next week. Uh, there's just so much pain, so much suffering, so much injustice going on. And so once again, I want to ask you um, also to support Action for Canada as we align with Reverend Majed, Majed Al-Shefi and One Free World International. We're very serious about the further action that will be commencing. And if you could donate, please, to help support us, it would be to the, if you go to our donate page, it will be to the, specifically to the legal action um, e-transfer. And to give you an update on uh, Rocco as well, some of you were asking, thank you so much. Rocco is improving. Our case will be heard the motion to strike on May 31st. You can always stay up to date on our legal action page. So continue to cover Rocco in prayer. I know he'd appreciate that. He's had a long journey back to recovery. I look forward to the day that he will be um, ready, able, and willing to give his personal testimony. You will be shocked as well as to what is uh, what it continues to go on in action in, in Canada and um, how many people are being affected by this. And so we're going to be on the front lines trying to make that information available. So we want to just encourage you, be blessed, be courageous, don't live in fear. Don't live in fear. Get part uh, and be part of a chapter. Build those communities. And remember, front lines, one thing that has to be set a precedent and be of the most importance. And we have many elections coming up this fall in Ontario, Manitoba, PEI, BC, and some others where it'll be municipal elections and for school board trustees. We got to replace individuals that do not deserve to be elected again, and we got to support those who are running for office. So God bless you. Thank you for joining us tonight, and God bless Canada.
He will turn the sins of evil people back on them. He will destroy them for their sins. I take great comfort in that because I serve a mighty living God who has allowed us to go through this season of discomfort because we as a nation have turned our backs on him and we need to get right. So I am just gonna thank you so much. I'm going to say God bless you.